Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with someone I found on a podcast. Her name is Laura. She goes by The Pretty Basic on TikTok and on Instagram. She was on a podcast about a fundamentalist church that she attended and also the homeschooling that she attended and the same one Josh Duggar attended as well. So welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm very happy to have you on my show. Like I said, I listened to you on the podcast. I was kind of, my jaw was kind of dropping because it's not because... I, you know, necessarily think that it's a religion thing, which it is, but this is so blatantly pedophilia and so blatantly controlling. So can you tell me how you got into this and what all happened? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up Southern Baptist, strict Southern Baptist, fundamental, like basic core values like that. So when my mom got invited to a seminar by the ATI cult, well, the seminars are under the IBLP umbrella, which is Institute in Basic Life Principles. And it's invented, everything's invented by Bill Gothard. He wrote all the curriculum and all of the materials, which you're supposed to see as inspired by God. So she got invited to the seminar by the Umbrella Organization, IBLP, and she really liked it. It was about raising your kids and how to raise them in a godly way. And his basics on how to raise your kids are essentially break their spirits, break their bodies, and they'll obey you. So it was 100%, yeah, abuse from the start. And she had seen other families and thought, wow, their kids are so well-behaved. I love that. Let's try it. And it wasn't too far of a stretch from Southern Baptist. So for me, yeah, so for me and my brothers, we didn't really see a whole big, huge change in our church life. But they try to upsell you into joining his homeschooling program, which, of course, is more money and uh, more rules and more control. So she signed us up for that. And at that point, I was 12 when we officially joined the ATI which is Advanced Training Institute. He likes to make everything sound very official because I personally believe that's how he has been able to rope in so many intelligent, smart parents because it all looks so fancy and so rich. It looks legitimate. It doesn't look like what you would imagine a cult would look like. Right. So yeah, so we started on homeschool curriculum and it was just a, a whole mindset change As far as beforehand, we were just sort of like, you know, spanked and told God doesn't like you to do this. But then it shifted to, well, if you don't do everything we tell you to do or everything Bill Gothard says to do, you're going to go to hell on top of being spanked and being verbally, emotionally, mentally abused and all of that. So it added a little extra element of spiritual abuse that we didn't have before. Yeah. When I was listening to your episode with the uh, other podcast, I could not believe that you guys, when you got a little older, I think in your mid-teens, upper teens, you would be sent off to these seminars. Yeah, yeah, your parents would pay like a couple grand for you to go to these seminars and they would actually be at a hotel that he would like buy and refurbish and... And yeah, go ahead. And it was it was double duty for him. So he always had seminars going on for the teenagers, for the young kids, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, that age. But at the same time, he needed people to run the training centers. So if you were at a training center, you were either 
going to a seminar to get more brainwashing, more control training, whatever you want to call it, or you were the staff, you were the child labor for the entire hotel. So most of the time I would be going to be the labor. So I think I went to a handful of seminars and I was excited. I was like, oh good, I can go to one of these places and I don't have to clean toilets. I don't have to do uh, industrial laundry. I don't have to do any of this stuff. I can actually just enjoy the seminar, which is so crazy to say because the seminars were horrible too, but they were less horrible than the labor part. So, and either way though, your parents had to pay for you to be there. Yeah. And what you would do is they would make you feel like you were special because they would call you staff. And Uh yeah, so of course, you know, when you're that young and you think, oh my goodness, I'm working here. Now I've got a job. And so your parents are paying him or paying for you to go there. And then he's actually getting, some people are coming. I think there was a biker, no, it was at a running convention or something that they had hosted, right? And, and so people were staying there, you're cleaning up after them, you're paying him to clean up, and they're paying him to stay there. Wow, smart dude, right? (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, if it weren't so diabolical, a little smart. Yeah. And then so but you even said, and and I'm taking the words out of your mouth, but I just wanted to reiterate this because I'm trying to keep it all on track in my head, that not only were you an indentured servant, you basically all you did was clean. All you did was that you might have grabbed a meal here and there. But yeah, tell me more about that. So just to describe a day in my life and other females, the females, we would do housekeeping duties, kitchen duties. And then the male, the boys that got sent to training centers would do maintenance and things like that. And these are humongous hotels. This isn't your Motel 6. This is a huge, like, uh, one of them was an old Radisson hotel. So these are humongous facilities. And so a day in our life for the girls would be we would wake up at 6-ish. We would do Bible study for an hour. And then we would immediately go to work. We couldn't have breakfast until 9 Oh. So we would immediately be, you know, we would immediately be working either down in the laundry room doing laundry or dusting, vacuuming, just anything you can imagine a large hotel needing to do. We did cleaning glass, cleaning old brass staircases, like everything you can imagine. So at nine, we'd have breakfast quickly. Then we had to go clean the kitchen for breakfast. So wow. after we cleaned the kitchen, we were back to cleaning the rest of the, and then noon, we'd have another meal, same thing, we'd have to clean the kitchen, go back to work, uh, dinner, five or six, same thing, and then we would go back to work until nine, nine or ten, and uh, then we would be able to go back to our room to sleep. So that was, that was our day as, as a 14, 15, sometimes as young as 13 years old. Laura, that is absolute lunacy. I'm sorry. I mean, now, did your parents know that this was going on? I mean, did you call them? Were you able to talk to them? You know, I don't think that they knew exactly what was going on. We were able to call home whenever we wanted to. But you had to get, uh, back in the day, you had to get those prepaid phone cards to be able to call out of the hotel. Like, you couldn't just pick up the phone and call your parents. They had to load you up with phone cards to go to use to call them. And so a lot of us didn't really call our parents because in a lot of cases, our home life was worse than the training center. So it was like kind of a fun break to be at the training center because you didn't have your parents around. (laughs) Not that we could do anything like act up or, you know, but we were around people our age, our friends, 
I remember distinctly only two female friends that I had in the whole time I was involved in this that actually actively were homesick. Anybody else didn't care. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, was your family life really that bad? I mean, I know that they lived on some property and you were actually allowed to wear shorts and, or maybe not shorts, but jeans. and Right. In comparison to my peers, I definitely had more freedom. What I enjoyed not having to deal with was the spankings and the, it's weird to say uh, at the training center, I could manage my own time. Like I knew what was happening every minute of the day at home. I was constantly afraid of being in trouble with my parents somehow. So I was constantly afraid of being something bad happening or me accidentally doing something that I didn't know would make them upset. And so I didn't have to deal with that at the training center. And I also didn't have to deal with, um, was, you know, how to explain this. My dad, bless his heart, we're on good terms now, um, but he's a talker. So when he got really into explaining exactly how we were spinning, exactly how that was going to send us to hell, it was very detailed and for hours and hours and hours and late into the night. So when I was in my life, I thought, you know what, I'd much rather be at a training center doing laundry and going to bed tired than, than that. Yeah, yeah. So. From a Southern Baptist background, and it was a very fundamentalist Southern background, correct? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it wasn't that big of a switch when you went from that to this um, ATI program um, that you're now calling a cult. And, and I'm kind of starting to agree with you because this this Bill Gothard, um, wow. If you look him up in the dictionary and had a pedophile next to a man, he doesn't he have charges, like past charges against him for pedophilia? and Kind of. Anytime someone has tried to bring charges against him, he has a lot of money behind him and a lot of intimidation. So nothing has stuck. I think that's sort of like what we're all waiting for one day. Right. But frankly, he's so old, he might die before it even happens. Right. Which would... I don't even know how I will feel that we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Right. Well, and you know, uh, when you were on that podcast, you guys were talking about the Duggars and we don't have to talk about them a whole lot because I know you really didn't personally know them. I think you had met them once or something. I don't think it was much. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it, I, I used to watch the show. I'm not going to lie. I think everybody did at one time, you know, cause it was just like, what? to watch other people's lives, especially when they're so dramatically different from what you've seen it before. It is. And, you know, I remember just going, okay, that poor woman. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if she, how she still has a vagina. I mean, you know, at this point, my good, or a uterus. Yeah, bless her heart. But, you know, just having child after child. But then being so demure and so submissive and so, and her kids were all mirror images of her and him yeah. to a point. And it was just, to me, it was so odd. And it was so indoctrined in that very religious-y cult to me. I, I mean, even then, I thought it was very, it was interesting, but only interesting, but not in a great way, you know? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're not like, oh, I want to be like them. Uh, no, no. And, yeah. And, you know, and they got a contract and they, you know, meaning with, I guess it was TLC and they made these shows. And, you know, there was no harm done as far as, you know, just watching it, I guess. But I know there's been a lot of harm done to the sisters. So can you tell me a little bit what happened with, with Josh Duggar? Yeah. So he, uh, how to put this lightly, he messed around with his sisters. Um, he messed around with his sisters and other girls in the cult. Um, some of us have some ideas of who they are, but obviously we're never going to say it unless they come out. Um, themselves, but the fact that he 
was not given any consequences whatsoever at that time is 100% what led to him continuing this, him being able to continue this behavior now. And none of us are surprised at all. And you know, Lara, that's the thing. When you suppress a child, any child, girl or boy, and put in their heads, you have to hug sideways because you don't want to touch genitals or whatever, the front part of someone's body. At such a young age, you're already kind of indoctrinating them into thinking, oh, the body is bad. I need to not tempt anyone at such a young age. And then they can't wear pants. They only can wear these long skirts. It's just really craziness to me. And I think that sometimes you suppress something so long and a young hormonal child uh, I'm not giving him excuse at all because my goodness, the guy's a monster. But I can only imagine it aided. Reasons, yeah. There are factors that made him in, into this. Absolutely. I, well, here's where I struggle is, yes, I believe there are factors that shaped him as a person. But seeing how he has responded, instead of taking it and saying, you know what? I effed up. I'm going to do this, this, and this to make it right. Seeing how he's responding and just pushing back and saying I did nothing wrong, blah, blah, blah. To me, I think maybe he was he's just born this way and yeah. the cult exacerbated yeah. what was already in him as a human being. And so for me, I don't think he should ever be living in free society ever. Right. Um, oh, because yeah. there in my opinion, there is no hope for that one. Yeah. So well, I mean, the things they found, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, know? and the, the insane thing to me and things that I'm learning, too, about how I was taught and what I still think to this day I'm having to confront in my own mind is, okay, well, what do we do with children and sexuality at that young age? I don't even know. I don't have kids. But I look it up like, what is the healthy way? Because I was taught the same way he was. Like, you just don't talk about it. And if you do, you're sinning. And so everything is put in a frame of either good or bad, not just this is how it is and this is how you need to live your life. Well, you know, Laura, that kind of brings a good point because when you were back at those seminars, those training camps, you wore a skirt with pockets on the back and they didn't like that. So tell me that story because we're going to get into this crap because this that I could not believe that happened to you. I tried so hard to follow the rules and sometimes it depended on who was in charge of you. They would put older girls in charge of younger girls. And so sometimes, even though I wasn't necessarily breaking the rules, they would tell me that I was, quote unquote, defrauding the boys by what I was wearing. And I would have to go change. Right. And so the skirt issue with the pocket, you can't have pockets on the back of your skirt because it'll make the boys look at your butt. And that's your problem. That is your problem to fix. And so I had to go change and I went through that particular one was, was a little bit on the extreme side because they also like pulled me into the office and told me most of the time, if you were not in a dress code that they liked, they would just make you go change. But every now and then they'd want to push the point further. And I got pulled into the office and explained that I was basically a slut and that I didn't, you know, wow. I wasn't fit to be around men because all I would do is distract them and it caused them to sin. And then I can't remember if it was that time or a different time. The memories get blurry. Yeah. But 
one time I was put into the prayer room for the way I was dressed. Oh, the prayer and room. I what, tell my listener, what the heck, Laura? <laughs> what the yeah. ever-loving heck? So, yeah, so the prayer room was simply one of the empty hotel rooms. They took out all the furniture, and they would put you in there with a Bible and a glass of water, and <laughs> they would let you out when they thought that you were repentant enough to come out. And the longest I was ever in one of those rooms was three days. What? And they didn't feed me. <laughs> they didn't feed me. I just had water and a Bible. And frankly... Your parents are paying for this. Yes. They didn't know about that at that time. My mom tells me, and I did not tell them. Because when you got in trouble at a training center, they already they called your parents anyway and told them. So at that time, I thought they already knew. And I'm learning now, too, from talking to other survivors is we think that they may have, like, been lying to us by saying, oh, we called your parents uh, when they actually didn't. And so we wouldn't tell what punishments they had given us because we thought they already knew. So, yeah. Reverse psychology um, right there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Talk about manipulation. Right. And the first time I got put in a prayer room, it was for about a day, like 12 hours. And I actually didn't mind it because I got to sleep. I just fell asleep on the floor. And well, you were exhausted. So yes. Yes. <laughs> it felt so good. <laughs> the crazy, the, the crazy things your brain does too, to protect you from the trauma you're going yeah. through. It's like, you know what? We're going to go to sleep now. We're not going to, we're not going to break down the fact that someone has locked you in a bare room. <laughs> uh, Laura, you were what? 16, 17 years old. Uh, 15 in some cases. Fi- oh, uh, my God. 14, oh, actually, at one in one oh, case, yeah. Oh, I keep forgetting. You went year after year. God bless you. So, but, there, but tell my listeners what finally got you kicked out of it. Okay, yeah. So, it was basically um, men telling me I was being too slutty. So, uh, I was at, um, I actually got invited. Skirts. Now, you're wearing skirts down to your ankles. We're not talking jean skirts. Yeah, with Yeah, okay, okay. Yep. Yeah, and uh, rarely jean skirts, because jean skirts were considered, like, almost barely crossing the line. But I was at that particular training center still exists to this day. It's where the buggers go. It's in Texas. They go and speak and whatever. But it's, it's a lot of outdoor stuff. It was much more lax with the type of skirts you could wear. So, but I worked in the office, and I was 17, and they asked me to come work in their graphics design department. And so I knew, right, because this, training center is basically their paramilitary organization that they call search and rescue but they literally have something that the boys go through called basic training they use ranks like colonel and sergeant and all this bullshit stuff like the real military does right so i knew going into this one that i would have to be just extra extra careful because there were so many guys i was terrified but also excited because i was like oh i finally get a job that's not manual labor within the organization this is great right yeah (laughs) And so, so I really mind my P's and Q's. I wore dress code within dress code all the time. I never broke a rule there. And I think this is what broke me and my parents finally was I literally never broke a rule there. And however, I was constantly getting called into the colonel's office with him and his second in command, two men, two full grown men telling me at 17 that I was dressing like a slut, that I was being ungodly, but they would give me zero suggestions on how to change and what to fix. Um, because I was in within all the rules. So it was a handful of meetings like that. And I would isolate myself. I had zero friends. I wouldn't speak to anybody because 
I was afraid of being sent home and losing the job that I really liked. And by the way, I wasn't getting paid for it. My dad had to pay for me to be there. Yeah, that's just <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, one day they called me into the office and I'm like, oh, great. Not another one of these meetings. And they said, hey, pack your stuff. Your dad's coming to get you. And I'm like, okay. So I went back to my office really quick and I called my dad. And we didn't have cell phones. There was no way you could, like, none of these places would allow you to have any sort of, like, communication unless they could hear it. And so my dad's like, what's going on? And he didn't know either. They just called him up, I guess, and said, come get her. And so he's on his way up and um, he was angry as hell, too. And no one would tell us what was going on. They basically just said, get her out of here. And that was really what opened my eyes. Because before, whenever I broke a rule, I thought, you know what? I deserve this treatment because I break rules sometimes. Right. And so this time I was like, no way, buddy. I didn't break any rules. And I stayed within all your guidelines. And he still treated me like shit. And... So, yeah, that was the final straw. And they told me that they had um, everyone ate together all meals. And they said, you're not allowed to go to the next meal. You have to leave. And so I went to the next meal anyway. And I was just in there with all these guys just looking at everyone like, and everyone knew what was going on. And there was one girl who was leaving on good terms that day. She was leaving on friendly terms, and they said goodbye to her. Everyone stood up and clapped for her, and then one of the leadership went over and gave her a present. And so after they clapped for her, everyone, like, looked at me awkwardly, and the person brought a present over for me, too. I have no idea what the thought process there was, but I took the present. It was a prayer book, and I walked over to the trash and slammed it into the trash can. Good for you. And I walked... I walked out of the building and never looked back. And that was that was the end of the end for us because my parents were also kind of seeing what I was seeing finally. Yeah. And they're like, okay, this is this is dumb. And um, yeah, so. It's like they were picking no, on you though, Lara. You know, it's like they were picking on you because I do remember you saying something about a guy was hanging out with your one of your roommates and you're like, listen, I just want to sleep. Y'all do whatever you want. They were done or whatever they were doing and he came over and started kissing you and you kind of let it happen you were just like whatever i don't i'm just so tired i don't even care completely different training center (laughs) oh was it okay yeah so and in a completely different state yeah (laughs) but you know what's so weird okay but then you said and that yeah because i know you didn't break any rules at the other one but then you said you went home and then gothard called your parent or you answered get your dad on the phone and then you stayed on the phone too and he's like asking you when did this this guy yeah creepy questions yeah oh my god and it's almost like he was let's be honest it's like he was getting off on asking you these questions a hundred percent a hundred percent it was like and we're talking details and your dad's on the phone and you're you know maybe what 17 i mean it's like what and then finally you go oh my god it was it was as if I hadn't been violated already, it was just more violations when I got home. Like, finally, oh, God. Because yeah, he's like, bad. you know, when did he touch you? Where did he touch you? How did it feel? And yeah. you're just like, oh. And then finally you look at your dad and you're like, I'm not comfortable with this. And your dad goes, well, just hang up. <laughs> yes. 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 And that was, um, I was older, but I was 17. And so that was another thing where my dad was like, What? And my, my dad, bless him, he kind of like a workaholic. And so it was more like, the call was more like my mom's thing. Although he jumped in with both feet as far as like trying to train us the way the cult said and all this stuff. But then he would see stuff like that and be like, oh, hold on. 
Yeah. Something weird. Well, it's a huge <laughs> yeah. red flag. And then, you know, because you guys as girls, no makeup, no dyeing your hair. I looked this guy up. He's got, he's very old and he's got jet black hair. And guess what? The guy dyes his hair. Let's be honest. Right? A hundred percent. And a hundred percent. Everybody knew it was so funny. And, and he has no kids either. And we talked about that. I mean, my friends would be like, how does he know to raise kids? He doesn't even have kids. Like, well, let's, you know, be, let's, let's look all spade a spade. He likes kids. He wants to be around kids. And he manipulated you guys the entire time, totally exhausting you to where you would pretty much do anything. That's cult behavior. That That's absolutely yes. what they do. Well, and for me, when I came to the decision that it was a cult was simply because, in my opinion, if there is one leader telling everyone what to do and they do it to the detriment of some of the members, that's a cult. Yeah. Um, just plain and simple terms. Like, I personally believe that Mormons are in a cult. They might not know it, but they are. Oh, they I have, I have to agree with you on that. They I mean, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> well, when there's no checks and balances anywhere, that's, that it gets kind of culty anyway, no matter what environment it is. Right. But when there's just outright, oh, yeah, we listen to one human being and that's how we live, live our lives. No, no, it's a cult. Well, especially when they're finding out that every almost everything that Smith said was pretty much just made up. And, you know, yeah. now to discovering beer and coffee and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, what a life. I know. I've, I've lived my whole life without vodka. I see. I couldn't do that. Yeah. That's my. <laughs> I think my favorite thing to see on TikTok, besides there's not that many of us ex-API on TikTok, but I think my favorite thing is seeing ex-Mormons start telling their stories. I'm like, yes, yes. yes. You under, but you understand <laughs> it in a whole different way. It's a different yeah. process, but it's a, it, but a lot of it's the same. It's the same it brainwashing. Is. It really is. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I just wanted to touch base with you because I, I wasn't even going to say this, but I have a little bit of this... I may take this out. Um, I have an aunt. She was a half aunt, my mother's half sister, who who was in a cult. And that cult, um, they all committed suicide. And she left her family. And I won't I won't say her name and all that. But I and I didn't know her, so I, I can't say that I know how anyone felt in that because I, I wasn't there and I you know I didn't live that life. But but it affected my mom and I saw what it did to her. Yeah. And I saw the media trying to get hold of my mom and the, you know, People Magazine trying to, you know, and all the things. And, you know, she was just like, and, you know, my mom came from, I think, the silent generation. That's that's her generation. And it's true. They didn't talk about it. Nobody talked about anything. I don't care what happened in your life. Nobody talked about it. So, and I get it, you know, some people just don't want to do that. They want to figure it out on their own and that's their right. But Of course. And once I... My very first video on TikTok went viral and just shocked the ever-loving crap out of me. You had like over a million views on your first step. Uh, yeah. I still don't know how to process that. I still don't know even what that means. But <laughs> I had to tell my parents. I'm like, oh, my God. Someone they know is going to see this or they're going to see it or something. So I immediately was like, hey, guys, I'm talking about ATI on TikTok and a lot of people are seeing it. So just a heads up. And I don't think they've watched any of them, which is fine because they're going through, and this is what I like to say a lot is they're going through their own realization that they were in a cult, that they were misled, that they were brainwashed as well. And to add on to that is that their brainwashing harmed their kids. And so for me, when I look at that perspective, I feel like they're going through more than I am. 
in mm-hmm. some cases because that's a lot. I, at least with my brainwashing, I didn't end up harming anybody um, right. with my best intentions. Do you know what I mean? So it's so complicated for them, too. Um, well, and you know, Laura, so, yeah. you bring up a good point, though. And if you ever listen to my podcast, which you, if you ever listen to any of my episodes, I interview all kinds of people. But as far as when it comes to things like this, life is about intention. And if they went into it with good intentions, it's yeah. hard to fault them, right? I mean, it's kind of hard. And, and yeah. you know, throughout therapy, <laughs> I yes. discovered, because I didn't speak to them for years. Yes. And in therapy, it taught me to follow their intentions, not their actions. Obviously, we would deal with those in therapy. But when I'm dealing with them in particular, their intentions for me were always the best. Right. And... I mean, yeah, it explains why like a premeditated murder is handled a lot more severely than somebody accidentally doing it. And that's kind of how, right. right, And that's kind of what happened with exactly. Yeah. It was totally unintentional, totally by accident. They didn't know what they were getting themselves into. It wasn't that much different than what they were coming from, but then burning your Disney things. I think that's what you were doing. You had to burn your Disney CDs and books. Yes. What the heck? And troll dolls and, I mean, what? Yeah, yeah, because Bill Gothard said they were evil. If Bill Gothard said it was evil, it had to go. <laughs> I, 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 I don't even have words. I just what? I mean, it's, I know it's it's so arbitrary. It's so, it, <laughs> it is. So, it is. Well, and to think that you know, and it's weird that I suddenly went back to Josh Duggar for a second here. But if he had had things to, I don't know, distract him, like a Disney movie, yeah. or like something to distract him and maybe get him out of the mental situation that he's clearly in. Maybe things would have been different. (laughs) I I, I kind of agree with you. I think some people are just predestined to do that. They just have that disposition maybe to do it. Unfortunately, he might have that. Yeah, but but you're right. Things could have been different if they had been shown any kind of normalcy any kind of normal life because when you live basically on a 19 kid compound you may as well just be in some kind of crazy religion and they were so yeah Yeah, and you don't have and essentially you don't have parents you have each other and your parents are simply a disciplinary tool and so it's not a relationship it's a transaction right yeah it's a it's a job and and it's a it's yeah Yeah. it's an organization at this point yeah but you have been amazing i could talk to you for hours about this yeah no i'm just glad that people are hearing our stories on such a large level now we've been here all along and it's just it's so validating. It's so validating. Well, and you know what? You're stopping a process. You're stopping a trend. You're stopping something that you could have passed on to your own children, Laura. You know, that's what's yeah. so good about this because, and I know you don't have any kids. You're still young. You can still have them. But yeah, it's just, first of all, it takes a lot of courage for what you're doing, especially with some of the content you have to talk about. I know it's not pleasant. And yeah, and it's, it's a mind screw. Your mind has been completely, they've gaslighted you. Yes, they gaslighted you the whole time. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah, not only that, but it it leads to literally, you grow into adulthood and your your inner voice is still gaslighting you. So it's not like once you leave the cult. Yeah, it's not like once you leave the cult, you're free. Your inner voice is still doing it. So it's just breaking those chains for yes. me has been the hardest. And I'm still not, I'm, it'll be a journey. It will be a very long. Because you still don't even love wearing shorts. You still don't even, 
you don't feel comfortable wearing shorts, no, right? No. And I, this is the first summer I told myself, listen, you're just going to wear them. And you might feel uncomfortable, but too bad because you deserve to be comfortable as far as like being hot and sweaty. And you don't have to be that way. You don't have to wear pants. It's not a thing anymore for your mind. Right. And, but that's a hard so. thing to, and you and I both live in Texas. You're in Fort Hood, right? Yes. I'm in <clears throat> and I'm in, I'm in the Dallas area. So it gets hot here. Put some dang shorts on girl. <laughs> right. I know. And. You know what's so funny is I posted that same video over on Instagram, and my mom was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you weren't allowed to wear shorts. She was joking. And I'm like, you know what? I think that we can joke about it right now is so cool. Like, she was just giving me shit for it. I know. And I'm like, you're right. Y'all wouldn't let me wear them. And we laughed about it. And it's it's such a nice place to be. It's such a nice place to be. And I feel so And But I got to tell you, though, something, Laura, and you know, and I'm going to give you some good kudos for this, because you stopped the trend, you stopped that process, you stopped that wrong way of doing things. But you also taught your parents without even realizing you were teaching your parents, your parents were gracious and understanding enough to get what they had done. Yes, you had seven years apart. We understand that. But look at you guys on the other side. That's 100%. Yes. 100%. It is. I actually feel so, and I think about them a lot, is my peers who have gotten out and are on their own journeys of healing, but whose parents are still in it, either still in it financially and everything, or just still in that mindset. I really wish people could come to the same level of relationship that I have with my parents Uh now, because I never envisioned this. I never thought in a million years, you know what, I'm going to be able to make jokes with my parents about what we did growing up. And it's just, it, it makes my healing process so much easier in that sense. Right. Um, but yeah, I feel so bad for people whose parents are still in it because... But Laura, do you know how many people uh, you're helping? I yeah. I mean, seriously, you're helping so many people now. I I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. You are. Um, you, you know, it doesn't really matter what kind of cult they were in. You know, mm-hmm. it's all kind of yeah. across the line, the the same kind of mind control thing where yours was ATI, another's might it might have been Mormon, another one might have been a, an Amish person or uh, mm-hmm. an or, an Orthodox whatever, you know, Roman, Jewish, yeah. who knows? And hey, nothing you know, against centers on control of control of other people or someone right. else trying to always control you. Well, and you know, yeah. nothing against the other religions because if it works for you, then and you're happy in it, then my goodness, stay mm-hmm. there. If that if that if that's what yeah. works for you don't listen to me. I'm just saying for the people like you and I who don't want to be controlled and don't want to be told who to marry and what to wear and undergarments and long skirts and you look like a slut or you have pockets on you. What? You can't have coffee and what? Uh, No, I'm, I'm good. I'm an adult. I can make my own decisions. Thanks. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But no, you have been fantastic. And I reached out to you and you immediately said yes. And I can't thank you enough for just coming on my show and just enlightening my my listeners. They're going to love this episode. And I say this to my guests who I've just had a blast with. And I'll say it to you. I may have to have you back on because you have been so much fun to talk to. (laughs) 
I'm always down to talk about this kind of thing just because, like I said, people are talking about cults, but there's only a handful of us talking about Joel Gothard specifically. So, yep, I'm always down to, to shit talk Joel Gothard, just so to speak. <laughs> yeah, no, and I understand it. So, you know, like I said, if I need you back on or if I have any questions, I know where to go. So tell everybody, you know, if they want to look at your TikTok or your Instagram, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Oh, yeah, you can find me everywhere at, um, it's at the pretty basic. It's a slam on myself because I know I'm just a very basic white girl, just a pretty basic white girl. So, so that's my handle everywhere. Okay, yeah, and I'll, I'll add all of your um, information in my show notes so people can follow you. They can follow you on Instagram. I don't know if you have YouTube, but I'll just have them. Uh, I do, but I don't. Okay, I don't do okay. anything on it. No problem. I'll just I'll go ahead and just put your handle on Instagram or, or TikTok, whichever one you want. And uh, you have been a delight. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for talking with me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.